Good morning. morning. What a great day to praise our Savior. Most of what I have to present to you this morning is very few of my own words. Most of it is scripture, because I don't know any other way to do the subject I would like to present this morning with my own feeble vocabulary. My goal is simple. This morning, I want to tell you about a king. God raised up this king to deliver his people, and by God's blessing and purpose, this king destroyed his enemies totally and completely. Amen. He blessed this king abundantly with riches beyond measure or comprehension, and this king is greater than any king that has ever existed. Right. Turn with me, please, to Psalm 45. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, and with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is wrought of, is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. Yes. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So who is this king? This king is not Solomon, for Solomon was a man of rest. 1 Chronicles 22.9 He was not a man of war, and the king David wrote about is a conqueror. This king is not David, because David is writing in the second person about someone else. But this king is related to David. Because this king is our Lord Jesus Christ. But how do we know this? Thank you, Lord, for the inspiration in the New Testament of your Apostle Paul in Hebrews 1, verses 8 through 9, where he quotes verses 6 and 7 in this psalm. And he had six words before he quotes it. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Thank you, Lord, for the inspiration of your word where we can go to the New Testament and see your son glorified in the Old Testament. So, verse 1. My heart is indicting a good matter. 
I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. To indict means to compose or to put down in writing, which the Lord did for us here and preserved it for us, that we could read about it. But I have a simple question for us this morning. What kind of matters are we indicting? Are we composing and writing in our hearts the good things of the Lord? Lord, help us. What about the things we talk about? We learned about some in Malachi chapter 3 that feared the Lord, and they spoke one to another. And it should be no surprise to us what they were speaking about. It doesn't say, but the Lord heard it. So they must have been speaking about him because they feared him. David did say his tongue was the pen of a ready writer, eager to proclaim the things about his king. What greater matter is there to indict, to publish abroad, than the one before us in this psalm? Verse 2, Thou art fairer than the children of men. And amen, he is fairer than the children of men. He's the chiefest of 10,000. Yes. Here's how much fairer than the children of men he is. In Romans 5, 7, Paul tells us how fair we are. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure for a good man, someone even dare to die. Here is how fair, or rather unfair, our king is. Hebrews 12, verses 2 through 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. This is how fair he is. While we would maybe think about dying for a good man and would maybe even go beyond that to die for a righteous man, Jesus Christ, our glorious King, willingly and without hesitating, died for those who were neither good nor righteous. He didn't think about it. He accomplished it. And his lips are full of grace. In Luke 4, 22, after Jesus had announced to his hearers in his hometown of Nazareth that the prophecy of Isaiah 49, verses 8 through 9, was fulfilled in their ears that day, the people wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. In John 7, verse 46, at the Feast of Tabernacles, this was his report by the officers that wanted to take him. Never man spake like this man. This king can speak in the middle of a great storm, peace be still, and the wind will cease and there will be a great calm. He can say, live, and there is life. He can say, come forth, and the once dead man Lazarus walks out of his grave. But it's better than that because he upholds all things by the word of his power. Verses 3 and 4, Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, and with thy glory and thy majesty, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Isaiah 11, 5, it says, Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. He was so meek, that he stood as a lamb dumb before the shearers to be delivered over to the Romans by the pressing of the Jews, to be unjustly crucified for a crime he didn't commit, so that he could conquer death, hell, the grave, sin, and the devil. Yes. Matthew eleven twenty nine tells us his meek, he is meek and lowly in heart, and by taking his yoke upon us and learning of him, we will find rest for our souls. Yes. Does the Bible tell us that Christ rides prosperously on a horse? And that in that same chapter, he's doing terrible things? Absolutely. Revelations 19 tells us this. 
and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat on, upon yes. the horse, right. which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. I love how powerful and mighty yes. my yes. king is. Right. I love that he rides upon a white horse and his name is Faithful and True. And I love that he will always stand for righteousness and exercise righteous judgment when no one else will. His majesty is so great that he has not just one crown or two crowns, but many crowns upon his head. And that he has the greatest army ever fielded, following after him the army of heaven. And he is the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. In verse 5, thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under him. Did we not just read about him treading a winepress? of his enemies and casting them down and conquering and destroying them. But it gets better because all of his enemies will become his footstool. Truly, this is a king against whom there is no rising up. Sharp arrows, but sharp arrows in in their hearts is a far better end than what this king has in store for his enemies. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know him not and do not obey him. He will punish them with everlasting destruction from his presence and from the glory of his power. And our God has put all things in subjection under the feet of this king. Verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. The king of this kingdom is called the branch of righteousness. He executes judgment and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah 33, 15. After Daniel had the vision of the statue, with the head of gold, arms of silver, belly of brass, legs of iron, the feet of iron mixed with clay, he had this to say about the last and greatest kingdom that endures forever. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Isaiah 9-7 tells us, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Amen. Verse 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. This king loves righteousness and loves men who walk uprightly. Workers of iniquity will not be accepted by him. Luke 13, 27. If David was the man after God's own heart, surely what he says in Psalm 101 also applies to Jesus Christ, who is God and man. He will not keep company with anyone with a froward heart, wicked, slandering, or proud. And his eyes are on the faithful of the land. His eyes are searching to and fro 
throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Right. Our heart's perfect toward him this morning. Verse 8, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. This language very closely resembles that of the Song of Solomon, where we not only have a book full of descriptive and illustrative language of a husband and wife loving each other, but a book describing the love Jesus Christ has toward his bride and the love his bride should have toward him. Yes. In Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Because of the savour of thy good ointments, myrrh, aloes, cassia, thy name is as ointment poured, poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love thee. To those who love this king, he is a savour of life unto life, a sweet fragrance that vitalizes their souls. But to those who are not his bride, it is a savour of death unto death that stinks up their nostrils. For the sake of time, I won't go through the last half because my focus is I want, us, I want this king to be glorified. I want him to be glorified to us and I want him to be glorified to me. He led me to this psalm because he knew I needed this reminder. He's a great king, and I want him to be altogether lovely to all of us. So I will briefly touch on the last half. The last half talks about the king's daughters, us. We are the king's daughters. We are his people. He has adopted us into his heavenly royal family. This powerful, authoritative, and conquering king also has incredible love, gentleness, care, tenderness, and favor on his daughter. Yes. This king, who upholds all things by the word of his power, who suspended the earth on nothing, who is completely independent and self-sufficient and is in need of nothing, greatly desires her beauty. Amen. He doesn't just desire her, though. He makes her glorious within and decks her in clothing wrought of gold and fine needlework and clothes her in a new garment, the righteousness of Christ, and brings her into his palace. He makes her to be favored among the people. And this king, when a man's ways please him, makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But there are two main groups mentioned here in this psalm as well. We have the king's enemies, and we have his daughter. Those who have sharp arrows in their heart and are trampled under him because they're his enemy, and his daughter who worships him, because he is her Lord, yes. who greatly desires, who he greatly desires and extravagantly cares for, and who is brought into the king's temple with gladness and rejoicing. And I want us to take note of two things here. The daughter is commanded to hearken, to consider, to incline her ear, to forget her own people and her father's house yes. for this king. Yes. Yes. And when she enters into his palace, she does it with gladness and rejoicing. Have we entered into the, his house this morning with gladness and rejoicing in our hearts for the king that we get to hear about and the preaching we get to hear about what's going to happen to his enemies and we'll be there alongside him, right. leading them to their fate, if we're his? Yes. Do you love your triumphant and conquering king, Amen. who is also the greatest husband you will ever have? Yes. Is this a king that you want to serve? Yes, is this Lord. a king altogether lovely to you? If not, why not? Are these descriptions not enough? If you love him, you will keep his words. His father will love you, and they will come unto you and make their abode with you. That is a promise. If you love him, you will obey the command in the last verse. 
You will make his name to be remembered in all generations and give the people cause to praise him yes. forever in yes. all generations. If you despise his statutes, consider them to be grievous or abhor his judgments, you heap to yourself the wrath, terror, consumption, and burning ague of this king, and he will set his face against you. If you still do not hearken to him after these things come to pass, he will punish you seven times more for your sins. Leviticus 26, verses 15 through 18. Proverbs six fourteen says, The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. This king is so merciful to us that when we kindle his wrath against us, he gives us an instruction manual on how to pacify him. He gives us Revelations 2, 5, where he gives us three steps. Remember when from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works to restore our first love to him. But he also gives us this instruction, but with a warning. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Lord, help us to put our trust in you this morning. Lord, make yourself altogether lovely to us in our hearts. Help us, O Lord, where we haven't. Forgive us. Be merciful to us. And help us to change by your Holy Spirit strengthening us to glorify you and see you as we ought. It's in your name we thank you for these things. In your name be praised. Amen. Amen.